All right, well, we're going to look at, into the word for a little bit here, and um, I'm going to teach the second part of strengthening the local church. I, I did this first part on Sunday. I just didn't feel like I was quite through. So we're going to just continue to build uh, the word here in our hearts and lives about the local church and the importance of it. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for divine utterance tonight. I thank you, Lord, for boldness. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, that as we talk the, these scriptures and as we read through these scriptures, that they impact us, that they give us life. You said your word is a light to our path and a lamp into our feet. And we thank you that as we hide it in our heart, we don't sin against you, Lord. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that your word, your engrafted word is able to save our souls. And so tonight we pray that we'll have ears anointed to hear, that we'll have minds that are receptive and open and our hearts are open in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're going to review for just a moment here in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, we read the scripture about Paul and Silas. Let's look at verse 40. This is Acts 15, 40, just to review for a moment. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And we went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, in the Amplified, it says, as he passed through Syria and Cilicia, establishing and strengthening the churches, establishing and strengthening the churches. This was something that God put on Paul's heart, evidently, is to strengthen the local churches. And I believe he's putting that on our heart as well. You know, the Great Commission tells us to to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Hallelujah. So important for people to hear the gospel being preached all the time. We need to be doing that in our world here. And, and of course, the, the world that we know um, all across the nations. But it's important to preach the gospel. Yes. And yet, too, we know that it's important for people to be fed on a continual basis in a church. Amen. Amen? And so... Uh, we, we, we don't need just to leave people hanging without a pastor, without a church. And Jesus said it so beautifully. He said, you know, that, uh, the sheep need a shepherd. Yeah. Amen. And, um, praise God. God's raised up great pastors all across this nation, all across the world, really. And, uh, you know, I think pastors get criticized way too much because of course, there's some, just like any occupation that might not be doing the best they can or doing what they should be doing. But generally, I love pastors and pastors' wives. I mean, when I meet them, it just makes me so happy. And most of them love God and they work really hard and they pray for their sheep and they love their sheep. Amen. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful institution. Uh, that God created. He made the institution of the church and he made the institution of marriage. And so we'll read a little bit about that. But Paul, uh, it was really on his heart. In fact, one of his, uh, um, one of his, not complaints, but, you know, struggles was, he said it was the, uh, the stress or the anxiety of the local church because he was thinking about them all the time, you know, and he said the care, I think he put it this way, the care of the churches, you know, it really was on him 
the care of the churches because he wanted them to do well. He wanted them to be strong. And there at that time, you remember who was in the ruler, Nero, and the horrible persecution, horrible things that he did to Christians. So these people were <laughs> having to be very strong in their faith to even survive what they were experiencing. And some of you have read some of the things. It's horrible what they were being put through. Now, let's look at chapter 16 and verse 5. And so were the churches established in faith, increased in number daily. And this, if you look at the Amplified, it says, So the churches were strengthened and made firm in the faith, and they increased in number day after day. So we see here again this the, the ministry of Paul in these other cities and he did the same thing there. He strengthened these local churches, made them firm in the faith. And then, there, of course, there was increase. You know, when you have a strong local church, when you have a team, praise God, like we do here, we're going to experience the increase. Amen. It just can't help but happen. You just you lay the foundation. And, of course, we know that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Amen. He's the one that the, the church is built upon. Uh, but the people who, who are, uh, coming to help and, and, and give their supply, every person has a supply. The Bible says the body then increases. And so we see that happening. Now look at Matthew 16. We'll just, again, just a quick review here. It might not be so quick, but sometimes we just don't get it the first time. You know, sometimes you have to dig in a little bit and repeat things a little bit. Have you ever seen a movie and then you saw it another time and you thought, oh, I didn't see that the first time. or I really missed that main point right there, you know. So I don't think it ever hurts us to continue to hear the word again and again. Matthew chapter 16, look at verse 18. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. I will build my church. This is very, very important to God. Jesus said these words, I will build my church. And look at this, the gates of hell shall not prevail prevail against it. So you, you see his heart in the local church and wanting to build the local church. Matthew chapter 6. Let's look here and just quickly go through these three things, practical areas that will help us to be a builder alongside of our uh, Lord and Savior. You know, he's the head, but we're the body. So we've got to be flowing in the same direction with him. And his thoughts and and the mind of Christ, these are things that we need to take into consideration when we are uh, making priorities for our life. You know, I have found that I need to make God's priority my priority. If it's important to him, it's very, very important to me. Amen. And I don't need to let those things slip or slack. I need to make sure I've got first things first. And God's will and his purpose is first. And I have found that when I do that, I'm the happiest. I'm just the happiest. It gives me joy. You know, no matter what I have to do at the church, no matter what work I have to do. And through the years, I feel like so like some of you probably I've done everything in the church you could possibly do. Right. I mean, you know, clean the toilets and, and mop the floors and, you know, work in the nursery. And Beverly worked in the nursery for decades. Didn't you? 
<laughs> I said, I said, Beverly, do you remember David? He came to our church and preached. She goes, I probably was in the nursery. <laughs> I think she was. She was always serving the Lord, just doing whatever she could do to be a, of service. Amen? Amen. And I think the hardest thing I ever did was the sound. That was the hardest job I ever had. Ooh, I'm telling you, that's something else. I know, and it's so important. But um, but I even had to do that at some point in time. I mean, every part of ministry. But there's a joy that comes along with it, isn't it? But you know how important it is to God to support the local church. There's such a joy that comes with it. So here we see in Matthew chapter 6, three things that we can do to help support the church. There's others, but this this one is... Uh, it says when you give alms, when you give, in other words, it doesn't say if you give, it says when you do. He expects us to support the local church. Yes, yes. And then when you pray, it doesn't say if you pray, but when you pray. So we are to support our, our church through the tithes and offerings. We support our church through praying for our pastor, praying for the services, praying for the people. Amen. Praying for new people to come in. Believing God. Hallelujah. How often? And, you know, when's the last time we prayed for new people to come in? Really? You know, sometimes we wish. Oh, I just wish. I wish. But this lady, this prayer warrior from way back, she said, turn your wishes, turn your thoughts into prayers. Because that's when they become powerful. It's not just thinking and wishing. If it was thinking and wishing, just think where we'd all be with our thoughts and our wishes. But it's prayer that brings these manifestations Amen. of God's will. And that's why he wants us to pray. Yeah. It's not just to be uh, super spiritual. <laughs> it's to get things done in his kingdom. Amen. So pray when you pray. And then, of course, when you fast. And we read in Isaiah, this is the fast that he's called us unto. And this is really reaching out toward people. We're to love God. But, you know, we're supposed to love people, too. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And really love them and be a blessing to them in whatever way we can. And that's not always the easiest thing. You know, sometimes it's easy to love God. Oh, I just love God, but I hate you. <laughs> but, but you have to turn that into I love God and God's love's in me. So I'm going to spread this love and this unconditional love to everyone that I can. And I tell you, the love of God will draw people. You know, the Bible says that if you... Uh, exercise goodness in your life that that goodness will overcome evil and so let that fruit of the spirit come alive in you all right so we reviewed that so let's go to a scripture we didn't go to sunday it's in ephesians chapter 5 ephesians the fifth chapter and we'll look at verse 21 praise god ephesians 5 21 and uh We'll start reading here. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. So he's comparing these two. We had talked about his two institutions, the church and, and marriage. He's uh, and boy, doesn't the devil hate both of those? Yes. The devil hates marriage and he hates the church. Yeah. He he knows how powerful both of those are. Yeah. 
And so he, he comes against them. But praise God, we can be victorious. Amen. In fact, we are already victorious. We've been made victorious through the blood of Jesus Christ. So anyway, we see here this comparison that he's doing. And um, at the end of this, we'll read that really he's telling people about Christ and the church. But it's interesting that a lot of this teaching that, and I've done it too, is is for family, you know, for marriage. We we go right here to talk about husbands and wives, which is fine. But he's really talking about Christ and the church. So we need, if we can just change it a little bit and tune in to Christ and the church here, I think you'll see how very much Christ loves the church. Oh, well, he died so that the church can be formed. Amen. So that we could all be born again and that we could be fitly joined together, compacted together and to give a supply. So, um, Here he says, uh, verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Now, he's going to sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the word, not through trials, tribulations, horrible stuff like cancer put on you. You know, he doesn't cleanse us or wash us or teach us with those horrible things. He's not that kind of father. (laughs) He's a good father. Remember that when you're going through things, just always remember God's good and the devil's bad. And that will help you to take authority over the devil and draw nigh to God. But if God's putting stuff on you and making you go through horrible things, wouldn't you want to get away from them? Are you crazy if you want to draw nigh to somebody like that? So remember, he's your redeemer, he's your savior, he's the one that's going to hold your hand through things and give you wisdom and strength and and really do miracles to get your life like he wants you to live abundantly and blessed, amen? And then know the devil's bad, he's trying to steal, kill and destroy. So he said he's going to sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church. And really, that's what he's done through his sacrifice. He's redeemed us and he's presented us to himself a glorious church, just like when when we were married. You know, we present ourselves to our husband, a beautiful bride. Amen. It's done. Praise the Lord. And uh, there's no spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. And we've been made holy. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. When you think about holiness, <laughs> because he has made unto us righteousness, sanctification. You know, he's already sanctified us. Amen. <laughs> and um, and so all those condemnation and thoughts of all that. Thank God we don't even have to go there. Yeah. Amen. Amen? The accuser of the brethren is bound. And he cannot accuse us when we have the blood of Jesus that's washed us. He's washed us. Amen. Cleansed us. Praise the Lord. Not because we're so great, but because he's so great. He is great. So see uh, verse 27, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. And so he's, he's... uh, received us holy and without blemish. Now, verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He loveth his wife, loveth himself. For no man yet ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. Now, notice how the Lord feels about the church. 
He wants to nourish and he cherishes. Hallelujah. He wants to nourish you and he cherishes you. Uh, the Amplified says he carefully protects you. The church. He protects the church. Um, and I, I think that well, if, if there's any strife or envy or division in a church, in fact, Kenneth Hagan, our uh, president of our school for years before he went on to be the Lord, he, he said if there was ever strife or dissension or division in a church, know that it is the devil. Just know that it is the devil because the devil wants to divide and he really wants to destroy. That's that's his motive is to destroy churches. But um, he know that the Lord loves the church and he wants to protect the church. So if you're if you've really got the spirit of the Lord and, you know, in your mind and your heart, you're not going to ever want to come against a church or a pastor. Amen. Now, that that doesn't mean you might agree with them. You might not agree. Sometimes I don't even agree with myself. You know, just to be real honest. So, okay, so we don't agree about every little thing. That's not a big deal, actually. The big deal is when you start stirring up strife, start stirring it up, and then saying, you know, I could be a better pastor than this one, or I could, you know, do this, or... You know, they don't need to be doing this. They need to be doing this and all the stuff that goes along with wagging tongues. Somebody said one time, they said, you know, tongues split that church. You're talking about speaking in tongues. That uh, Speaking in tongues split that church. And this man of God said it wasn't the speaking in tongues that split the church. It was the known tongues that split the church. In other words, strife. Amen. It wasn't the unknown tongue. It was the known tongue that split the church. So we do have to watch that he and not be ignorant of his devices because he's very sly. You know, and if you most of you have been in church for a while, so you've seen things that he does. He comes in in sheep's clothing. But there's a wolf there. And if you look, you know, long enough, you see the fangs underneath the little fur. A little sheep, right? See the fangs. So you just have to watch and pray. Amen? Amen. And the pastors, praise God, sometimes have to run off the wolves. And we don't like to do that. It's not fun. But it is protecting the church. Just like the scripture says that the spirit of the Lord is to protect. Amen? So, uh, it care, in fact, the word is carefully protects. Do you see? Yes, yeah, see that? Carefully protects and cherishes. Sees the value in a local church. Amen. And doesn't want any destruction to come to try to, uh, uh, uproot what God has planted. Praise the Lord. All right. You still with me? Let's, let's keep reading a little more. Verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. We are joined with him. If, if sometimes you think about being in Christ, what does that mean? Think about it like this. The head and the body are joined. We are one 
in Christ, one with him, joined with Christ. Now, that should give you a great deal of confidence. (laughs) Amen. Because when you think about your head and your body, it's connected, isn't it? And your head is giving you instructions and your brain and your mind is leading, guiding your physical body and and other things in in your being. Uh, And so is Christ with the church. Hallelujah. And oh, it makes me love the local church even more. It makes me want to to uh, cherish and nourish just like the Lord does. And so then we'll read the rest of this, 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife, see that she reverence her husband. So you see the exchange there of respect and love. And we ought to respect God. Amen. We ought to reverence the Lord. And we're not afraid of him. But the fear of the Lord is more of an awesome respect than, oh, I'm so scared of him. No, but we do honor him. Amen. And that's why we honor the church building. That's why we have a sanctuary. It's because it's a place where God manifests himself to us and comes and dwells among us. That's why we don't come in with coffee and loud talk and jesting and, you know, like you would a cafeteria or something. You come in here to worship. Amen. You come in here to pray. You come in here to give and to learn and to uh, to be really... Uh, the revelation of who you are in Christ. Amen. And what a sacred thing. Amen. Uh, so it's, it's to be treated a little differently than just going to the mall. <laughs> Amen. It's a little different than that. A lot different, actually. Okay, so let's move on just to a little more tonight. Of course, we read 1 Timothy chapter 3 that says, The church is the pillar and ground of truth. The church is the pillar and ground of of truth. This is where you're going to get the truth. In fact, it is the only truth. Amen. It is the only truth there is. And so if people aren't coming to church and aren't listening to the word, they're not getting the truth. They're getting lies or part truths, partial truths. Um, and then their, their life reflects that. You can see the deterioration of people if they're not Hearing the truth. They start getting anxious. They start getting depressed. They start doing weird things. They look weird. They talk weird. They, they, you know, their family thinks they're weird. Everything, you know, they just grow weird. Amen. Unfortunately, because they get off in error. They get off away from the truth. And really, don't you love God? Cause you just got common sense. Just horse sense. Amen. You just read through Proverbs and you think, this is so good. This is just horse sense. It's so good. Um, and I encourage you to read it every day. Read Proverbs and Psalms. Read through the New Testament. Read the Word. Amen. It's the pillar and the ground of truth. And the church is what, uh, is what, um, teaches the truth to people. And the Bible says that the truth will make you free. If you have any bondage in your life, this word right here will make you free. Amen. If it's disease, it'll make you free from disease. If it's emotional trauma or, or horrible things that have happened to you, dear God, I know some people, you can't even imagine what they've been through. And some of them are young, and you can't even imagine what they've been through. I'm a counselor. I know some of these things. 
And I think, how could they have made it? And, you know, the only thing that they point to is the love of God and the word of God. Otherwise, they probably have committed suicide, you know, or done something horrible to themselves. So this word will make you free. Hallelujah. Do you believe me? Amen. All right. Let's look at first Corinthians and we'll we'll stop here um, after first Corinthians chapter 12 and look at verse 14. Once again, talking about the importance of the church, the body of Christ, that's you and I, and the coming together of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. Uh, and, and so I've heard people say before, well, you know, I feel so close to God just when I'm walking in the woods. or If I'm at the beach, I feel really close to God. Well, that's fine. That's wonderful. But you're not going to get on the beach or in the woods what you're going to get in church. You're not going to get the, 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 the teaching, the pastoral gift, amen, the impartations of the Spirit, not only from this pulpit, but from out there, among one another. Now, you cannot say that you are one member and that's it. <laughs> You're an island to yourself. It doesn't work that way. And really, it's very unhealthy to isolate like that. It's very unhealthy. I see that people that isolate just get sicker and sicker, either mentally or sometimes physically, because we're we're really herd animals. We need each other, amen, and we need our herd. We need our company of believers, and uh, the the church provides that. So look at verse 15. If the foot shall say, because I am not of the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not of the eye, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, now that would be weird, wouldn't it? It's almost Halloween, you know, you could see the eyeball rolling down the church aisle. Or something. An all-seeing eye. <laughs> an all-seeing eye. Yeah. Where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling? Now, does the nose look like an ear? No, it doesn't look anything like an ear. So we've got to know that our, our groups and of people, are they going to look different? They're going to think different. Amen. They're going to be a little different. And we, you know, I think that's good. I think we need variety. In fact, they say the healthiest churches are the ones with the most variety as far as age and race and gender and, you know, whatever way of difference. Some people are like me are not creative at all. And some people like your pastor are super creative. And, And we need the you know, and, and and it's exciting and wonderful when you see these different gifts. Yes, right. And so not everybody's going to be an eyeball yes. and not everybody's going to be an ear. Just know there's going to be differences, but appreciate them. Yes. Amen. Yes. And try not to be envious right. or jealous. Well, I wish I, you know, I wish I could do that or, you know, I wish that or, or you know, they're not all that in a bag of chips. You know, appreciate <laughs> Appreciate them. Amen. And their gifts. And, um, you know, give them encouragement because of what they can do well that you can't do at all. So what? You can do things that they can't do. And somebody told me, uh, gosh, this within the last week, I don't even know where we were, David, that they said, you know, you are unique. You're the only one. Oh, it was on the podcast, Shannon. One of my, the ladies I was interviewing on the podcast, she said, you're the only one with your fingerprint. 
That means you are unique. You do things on this earth that nobody else can do or say or how you do them or say them. And so you need to do what you do. And and we need you. We need you to do what you know to do. Amen. You're significant. You're important. And we're not saying to you ever, we don't need your gift. We don't need your eye. We don't need your ear. And that's what he's saying here. We are a body of believers and we need every part. And it says, verse 18, but now God hath set the members, every one of them in the body as it pleases him. So if he's pleased, you be pleased. You be pleased with you. Amen. Sometimes we get old and we finally get pleased with ourselves. (laughs) But, you know, if you're young tonight, be pleased with yourself, please. Because God is pleased with you. And he has set you in the body. You are perfect for where you are. And God has put you. And praise God, he's put you here. So we appreciate you. And then it goes on to say in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And, and many times we get caught up in that. We really don't need them. What do we need with them? But we need each other. Just admit it. Amen. I know this, this independent spirit of, you know, women and trying to roar. I hear me roar. I'm thinking the only thing that's roaring in the Bible is the devil is a roaring lion. So you better watch the roar. Right. And I'm a woman, so I can say these things. Watch your roar. Because the Bible says uh, in a couple of places about contentious women. <laughs> I was reading my daily study the other day, and it had two different chapters about the contentious woman. One was, you know, <laughs> better to dwell on the housetop <laughs> than with a contentious, brawling woman. And then the other one was uh, similar to that. And I'm thinking, what is it with contentious women? But this is what Proverbs is talking about. So if he's saying that, and he's saying it more than once, I think we need to examine ourselves about contention. And what is contention? Contention is starting an argument, you know, or or stirring up stuff. And I don't know if women, why, why are we that way? Why do we have to watch that? Maybe we want attention. I mean, let's just be honest. Maybe it's an attention-seeking thing. I don't know. But he says, stop it. Stop that kind of roaring. Amen. Amen. If you're going to roar, just roar. Jesus loves you instead of, (laughs) instead of, you know, stirring up strife and contention. Amen. In fact, I wrote down some, uh, definitions. Contentious causing or likely to cause an argument. Likely to cause an argument. It contentions some uh, synonyms. Disagreeable. You're just disagreeable. They come up with an idea, maybe your husband or I don't know, whoever, and you want to disagree with it just to be disagreeable. Now, that's wrong, isn't it? Um, Combative. Argumentative. These are things I think women have to watch. Antagonizing and hurling verbal insults. (laughs) How about that? And starting disputes. Wow. So there's something about that. Now, I know men can be that way, too. I understand that. But he talks a little bit more about women in that department than he does men. And so I feel like that that's something that we really need to watch. Maybe we're not even aware of it. But the Proverbs draws our attention to that. 
And, uh, you know, women can be, I remember working at our motel. I was the desk clerk. My parents had a motel on the beach for years and we all worked there, our whole family. We did everything. But part of our job was desk clerk. And, you know, women, generally speaking, when they came in, they were mean as snakes registering. And the men were so nice, pleasant, helpful. You know, they weren't upset about the taxes or the room key deposit or you know whatever else. But the women would fuss and complain and rant and rave about everything. And I'm thinking, something's going on here. You know, something's weird here. Women need to watch that. And the Bible says in Proverbs 31, the law of kindness is in her tongue. So maybe we need to write that down. <laughs> It is a law, the law of kindness. The law of kindness is in her tongue. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. I hope I don't get, like David says, get emails and (laughs) all kinds of things from live stream. But I don't care. It's the truth. And we need to watch it. Amen? And we don't need to be Jezebels. You ever read about Jezebel? She became dog food. So if you want to become dog food... Alpo. Yeah, act like Jezebel. And if you don't know anything about her, you need to look it up and read how horrible a woman can be. And then on the other side of that, how beautiful Ruth was and how beautiful Esther was. And, you know, these women in the New Testament that supported Jesus and his work. Praise God. Women can do powerful things, but not act like a crazy idiot doing them. Amen. Praise God. So we're not going to be contentious, are we? And strifeful. James says, chapter 3, where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. So in the church, we don't need to be those who are creating strife and confusion and every evil work. Think about how many demons that is. Every evil work. We need to be those who are unified, who love the Lord, who love the church, and become those, uh, let's Just read, we'll skip on, I want you to read this on your own, but let's skip down to verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care one for another. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Let's remember who we are. Amen. All right, well, let's stand up. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that. We understand that we are the body of Christ, that we're called to good works. We're called to love one another and to love you, to forgive one another as you've forgiven us. We thank you, Lord, that we can walk free from resentment and hatred and meanness and walk free in your word to love and uh, to be tender hearted toward one another to be those who walk in the fruit of the spirit which is love and joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faithfulness meekness and temperance and we determine lord that we're going to look to you to help us to walk in the light to walk in the love and to lift up jesus so that people are drawn to him Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.